And we are recording with the one and only Mr. Michael Vecchione, who's back on here to talk about your book coming out in October, Murder is My Business. Mr. Vecchione's been on here about 100,000 times before. Um, <laughs> you can go, go back and find any of his, uh, find any of his books, um, uh, Friends of the Family, Crooked Brooklyn, and then you helped co-author uh, Behind the Murder Curtain, as well right. as a bunch of uh, little um, little books that uh, or little... I guess short stories. Yeah, that we've gone through Hand of the Killer, et cetera, et cetera. We've Murder gone Murder on the Bridge. Murder on the Bridge, correct. And, and uh, a whole bunch of Let me just more. let me just yeah. make one correction. The sure. the title of the book is Homicide is my business. Homicide is my business. Yeah, oh, it I comes, can't be trusted for anything. That's okay. And it comes from a direct quote from the subject of the book when he testified in front of Congress um years back. So uh, but we can get into that when we get to uh to talking about the book. So thank you very much. Uh Tom for having me back. Um, Absolutely. And it has been about two months. I think I've oh, gained, yeah. yeah, at least, at least. I think I've gained like 2,000 subscribers since then. So although I always say the line, now I meaningfully say it, please introduce yourself for all the new listeners. Okay. So my name is Michael Vecchione, and I was the um, chief of the Rackets Division in the Brooklyn District Attorney's Office from um, about 2001 to 2013. Before that, I was in charge of the Homicide Bureau. I was in charge of all of the trials in the office. And, um, and I have, uh, I've been an attorney for, uh, I hate to say this now, over, well over 40 years and, um, and a prosecutor for about 30 of those, or 32, because I was also a, um, an internal prosecutor for the New York City Police Department at some point in my career for two years and, um, and did that. And so I spent a good deal of my time chasing bad guys and um, and and thankfully convicting the right people and, you know, doing justice for the people of Brooklyn. So um, so that's 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 who I am. And now I'm an author and I've written um, I've written the books that you mentioned, the one that we're going to talk about today. While I was waiting for Homicide is My Business to be to be published, <laughs> Uh, and printed, and I'll explain that to you in a second, I, I, I got a deal for a three-book series, which is my first shot, or first time at, 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 no, at a novel. And it's a, um, it's a uh, I call it a true crime fantasy, because the premise is a prosecutor against Satan, who comes to Brooklyn to wreak havoc all over Brooklyn. And um, and these cases and the, the, the crimes that the devil is instigates in the stories are all my cases. So, so I, it's, they're true crimes, but the story around it, for the most part, is fantasy and, and novel, uh, novelization of, uh, of the facts. So, so that's finished, Tom. And that will be out right before Thanksgiving. I've turned it in. And, and I'm now also um, in the midst of doing book two because I got a three-book deal for that, for that fantasy um, and the concept and, uh, and I finished one already and it's in with the publisher. They're working on, um, uh, on the cover and, um, and it'll be out, um, around Thanksgiving. And, uh, I just want to tell one other thing, one other, sure. one other plug, and that is sometime in September, and I'll let you know, so we can talk about it. The, uh, the publisher of what's called the name of the book is fallen angel. Okay. And, um, and, and what the publisher is doing is they are releasing what they call a, the, a novella. And it's a free um, preview of what the book is about. And it's actually one of the, one of the stories that's, that's in the book. But that'll be out hopefully sometime in September. It'll be free to all of your, to all of your listeners. Um, I'll let you know where it's going to be available. Amazon, of course, will be one of the places, Barnes and & Noble and, and, and things like that. And it'll be available online at the publisher's website. But that's sort of like the tease. So you'll get the sense as to what the book is about. And then the book will be out in, in November. I mean, in uh, yes, in November, right around Thanksgiving. So I was going to say, it's kind of like the opposite of that, that quote, right? When there's the flood coming and the cops say, and tell the guy to get out of the house. And he goes, no, I'm good. God's going to save me. And yeah. then the flood starts and they send the raft. And he says, I'm good. God's going to get me. Then they send the helicopter and they say, dude, get in. And he says, I'm good. God's going to get me. And then he drowns. He says, God, where were you? And he says, I was there three times. 
in true Mike Vecchione fashion, it's the opposite. You are you are showing the many hands of Satan throughout life. Like, where are you, Satan? Like, I was there lighting the girl on fire on a bridge. I oh, was yeah. there doing this shit. That's exactly. so close. He, of course. He, he's been there, and now I'm going to uh, now I'm going to write about it. So, um, but first, we're going to talk about homicide is my yeah. business because. Um, uh, in, in a lot of respects, this book has, I don't want to say a satanic quality, but um, when you're a, a hitman for first the Sicilian mafia and then for the uh, Bonanno family here in Brooklyn, um, you're, not a, you're not a nice guy. You know, you're a guy who, um, who knows that he can do what these people want him to do. He does it well and, uh, and he gets paid for it, you know, so um, his... The, 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 way, the reason that, that I thought it was a great story is because in spite of everything that this, this guy did, and his name is Luigi, and his last name is Neron Sisfali, a very long name, so we'll call, him, we'll call him Luigi, yeah. He comes from, um, from a, a, a city in Sicily called Catania, and, um, and he, was a, um, he always wanted to become a made man in the mafia. And, uh, and a quote, another quote from his testimony in front of Congress during, the, during Ronald Reagan's Commission on Organized Crime. They did a series of like 10 meetings with Congress, and he was, he was the subject, uh, I'm sorry, he was a witness in one of those, uh, those sessions. And it had to do with drug dealing, and it had to do with his role in, in a very interesting setup called the Pete that was, became known as the pizza connection. Um, it was when the Italian mafia and the Ameri and the Brooklyn mafia got together and um, decided that in order to, to get drugs over from processing plants in Sicily and prevent um, American authorities from, from intercepting it, they, in the in in the United States, they bought uh, and contracted with pizza stores, or pizza places, pizza shops all over the eastern seaboard and into the Midwest. And the people in Sicily were shipping the heroin from Sicily to Canada, and then from Canada down into the United States to these pizza stores. And they the 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 drugs were hidden in cans of tomato sauce in boxes of mozzarella cheese in boxes of flour and, and things like that. So, um, so that when they were, when they came through customs, it looked like a box of mozzarella cheese, mm -hmm. but really it was, um, it was, uh, it was a disguise for, um, for drug dealing. And then what would happen is when the, the pizza store owner would get the box He'd call up his local, you know, mafia connection and say, "Okay, it's here." They would pick it up and um, and then transport it to wherever they were going to, you know, to distribute this stuff. So, so that was the subject of this of this congressional hearing, one of, as I said, ten. And during that hearing, when one of the senators uh, asked the uh, asked him why he got into the business, this is what his quote was: "He said in America." Young men want to be want to play baseball in Sicily. Young men want to be mafia. That's basically what his and, and that's how he he grew up. He grew up wanting to become a, um, a made man in the in the mafia in Catania, which is the the area where he was uh, he was born and raised. It, it, it's not, and this is part of the, and I'll take it, try to take this from the beginning because we're never going to be able to cover everything in, in one session. And I'm, uh, I, I'm doing this because I really want to get your, uh, your listeners and, and uh, audience to, um, to ultimately buy the book. I think it's a really good read and it's a, uh, it's an interesting read and it's something that you don't necessarily have. Um, it's not an everyday thing. It's not like, not like the Godfather. It's not mm -hmm. like John Gotti. It's not like, you know, it's a, um, it's, it's, I don't even want to say it's closer to Goodfellas, but it, in a sense it is because this is a guy who was a, you know, a down and dirty guy who, um, who became a quote unquote successful murderer. He was a hitman, And, um, and when he got to me, uh, and I'll tell you about that in a second, how he got to me, when he got to me, he had done uh, 13 murders in Brooklyn. 
And he had done who knows how many over in Sicily before he came to the United States. And um, and his 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 goal, Tom, was to become, as he called it, a man of honor. I mean, to believe that that's that is how how they looked upon themselves, a man of honor. And what that means to the average guy who knows or a woman who knows about the mafia is he wanted to become a made man. He wanted to be a part of the brotherhood. And in spite of all of his all of his success, um, he never was he never became a made man. And that kind of gives you the ending of the book. It's not a surprise, but he never becomes a made man in Sicily or in the United States. And there are a couple and is I think a good reason is is and this is how I'll start the story is, is the way that he looked, believe it or not. Um, let me tell you how I met him. I was at the time um, the lead prosecutor in the Homicide Bureau of the Brooklyn DA's office. We're talking about now in the um, in the late 70s, 78, 79 in that area. And it was um, it was a time when the boss, the, the head of the bureau was on vacation and the deputy bureau chief was in charge, a guy that I knew very well. His name was Marty Fogelson. And one day he calls me into his office. I had no idea what he what he was what he wanted, although it was not unusual to be called in. You know, maybe they had a case, maybe they had something. And in this situation, they did have a case. I walk in and there are two New York City detectives, homicide detectives who I knew. And um, and and Marty tells me that um, he wants me to take over the 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 role of uh, dealing with a guy that these two detectives had brought in. Um, who was wanted for a, a murder in Brooklyn, but had already been debriefed by the FBI on all of his murders and other things that were not murders, things that he was going to do, which he short-circuited because he realized that you know his time was coming to an end as far as escaping um, uh, law enforcement. So I said, okay, you know, and the reason Marty did that is because Luigi Roncesvalli, obviously an Italian guy, Mike Vecchione, obviously an Italian guy, and he figured, you know, you you guys will, uh, he'll, he'll relate to you. And Tom, I got to tell you, we hit it off, you know, it's so strange to be saying that, and I have a whole portion of the book in which I talk about this, that um, to say that, that, that I... I hit it off with this, with this murderer, you know, yeah. and, um, and he hit it. He related to me and opened up to me. Like, um, like I never expected. I thought he was going to just tell me about the one case in Brooklyn that he was involved in, but instead he told me basically his entire life story. And, um, and, and, and I had to set up certain, you know, parameters and rules in terms of, of, what we were going to talk about, because I, my, my goal was to establish this case in Brooklyn and, and bring him to justice for this murder, which I'll talk about. Um, but he was, he was very, very interested in just telling me everything. I, I think it was sort of like a catharsis kind of thing, you know, it was, I unburdened himself. And he, and the reason that he was able to, that he, he opened it up, he opened up so much to me was, um, had to do with his handlers before he came to the cops, he went to the FBI. And I got to tell you that, uh, I am not a fan uh, of the FBI and, um, and have never been a fan of the FBI. There are great, some great people who work in there, but the FBI is not, not what it's cracked up to be. I mean, it's, it's it, it, in, in a lot of ways, it's it's a myth in terms of how how good they are. Really? So sorry. I said, really? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I was always because under they, the I was always under the un not uninspired, I guess, based on just my own gut feeling that it used to be something and it's not anymore. Are you saying that it's never, never really was? Well, I when I say when you say used to be, they was they started in the 1930s. Yeah. So back then. I'm yeah. talking about, you know, 60s, 70s, 80s, you know, there, you know, from Crooked Brooklyn that I prosecuted an, an F, ex-FBI agent for four yeah. murders. Yeah. 
so um so the so he he and I, you know, just simply Luigi and I just simply hit it off. I, I introduced myself, talked to us. He asked me about, you know, where my family came from. He told me about where he came from. And it was around lunchtime. So I said to him, look, we're going to be here for a little while. You want something to eat? Now, keep in mind, he was being held at the Brooklyn House of Detention. Okay. And, um, and jail food, as you probably have figured out, is not, not up to snuff. In fact, he called it merde. You know what that means? Mm-hmm. In Italian, that means shit. Okay. That's what he called. So he said, I'd love to eat. Well, I, said, well, I said to him, what do you want? He said he wanted a veal cutlet parmesan hero and a, and a bottle of beer. I said, okay, no problem. So I sent a detective investigator who worked for the DA's office down to get it. And Tom, from that point on, we... We hit it off. Every time he came in, I had the veal cutlet parmesan hero and the beer waiting for him. And he continued to open up and tell me all about his his life. So so that's how I got to him. And um, and and I'll start really at the beginning in terms of how he got to Brooklyn. As I said to you before, he was a, a kid who was raised in Catania. And unlike other parts of Sicily, particularly Palermo, which is the hotbed of the Sicilian mafia. He was born and raised in Catania, which was um, sort of like, I don't want to say the minor leagues, but if you compare it to like Major League Baseball and let's say AAA, the Catania mafia was sort of like AAA. So he had a guy um, whose name was Rapasardi. I don't know. I never knew his first name. They always used to call him Signor Rapisardi or Don Rapisardi. And um, and he he wanted to get in and to work for this guy Rapisardi, who who owned a, a coffee shop in in Catania. And um, and he made a pest of himself. He would stand outside, and and Rapisardi's people would tell him to get lost. Um, until one day, he 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 got to talk to him. And Rapisardi basically, you know, got to like him. And, uh, and I'm skipping ahead. I don't, I don't want to bore everyone with all the details. They're in the, it's all in the book. Until Rapisardi uh, felt, after giving him some smaller jobs to do, you know, collect money for, from deadbeats who had not paid their, their debt on either loan sharking or gambling, um, he felt that Luigi was, you know, a guy that he could, kind of give more important things to do. And he finally decided that he was going to give him a, um, a, a hit. And the hit was, um, was not local. The first hit that he had done was in Milan. Now, keep in mind, we're talking about Sicily is way down near the, near the tip of the, the toe of the boot of Italy. And Milan is up, up north. So here's a guy who... Um, who kept all of this from his wife. He in fact had to lie to his wife as to why he was, um, he had to go away for a few days. He, um, he had been working on, um, on the local railroad for a while. So he made up some, you know, some excuse for his wife and he went to Milan and he, he had to kill a guy. And the, and the reason that he did it is the reason that the guy want, he, this guy wanted him killed is because he disrespected him, didn't pay him money. He was never going to pay him money. So he needed, Rapisardi needed to, to, you know, show that you don't fuck with me, essentially. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, it was a lesson to all of the other people who owed him money. So Luigi tells the story about how, you know, he doesn't know anything about Milan. So he got up there early and he had some information about this guy and where he worked. And he did a surveillance job. Now we're talking about a guy who never done any like anything like this before, but he was, he had an innate ability to do this and he knew what was important, what wasn't important, how he could do it without getting caught, et cetera. And he scoped this guy out who was a, who, who worked. And I remember what the, what he worked at, but he was a, he went to work every morning. And this was basically became his M.O., so Luigi's M.O. He would get a target. He would spend whatever time necessary prior to the murder finding out 
when the guy left for work, where he worked, when he was at his work, did he take breaks to go to lunch? You know, well, how did he get to work? What time did he come home? All of this stuff. And then he followed him all over the place, you know, all over wherever this guy went, because what he was looking for is a place where he could do the killing and have the ability to escape. Okay. Now, keep in mind, he had to go from Sicily on a ferry over to, um, to the mainland and then take a train all the way up from the, uh, I think he might, he might have landed south of Rome or, or na- near Naples. And he had to take the train up to Milan. He had to spend some time, you know, in the hotel up and, and scope this guy out. And he finally found the right spot. And, um, and he killed him, shot and killed him, walked up to him. I was by himself, I think, getting into his car one morning, walked up, put the gun right to his head, blew his head off. Jesus. Got back. Now he had to escape, right? Now keep in mind, he had to go from Milan down to the ferry terminal down in, down around Naples, et cetera, and then back over to Sicily. So he had to catch the train, which he did. Got back onto, uh, got down to the to the dock for the ferry. Got onto the ferry to um, to Sicily to Catania and got off. And he got away with it scot free. The guy must have had some. I don't want to say fame, but he must have been a guy that was known to the people in Milan because the next day, when um, when when Luigi went to the coffee shop to speak to Rapisardi to tell him about, you know, the things he said, Rapisardi already knew that everything was great. And he told him, you know, you did well, you did well. So um, that became his, his job and his MO now. And Rapisardi used him essentially as his collector. And when he didn't collect, when he couldn't collect or he didn't pay up, he became his assassin. Um, and Luigi felt that now that he was working with Rapisardi, that it was going to be no time before Rapisardi proposed him for membership in the, um, in the Sicilian mafia. Didn't happen. After the second time, didn't happen. After the third time, didn't happen. After the fourth time, didn't happen. And he confronted him one day. He said, you know, I- I've done all of this work. He said, uh, when am I going to be, you know, when are you going to propose me for membership? Rapisardi gave him some, you know, some bullshit story about, I I don't even remember what what the story was, but he he said, you know, you got to take your time or things will work out. (laughs) They never worked out. And Rapisardi in that conversation said to him, you know, Things may not ever work out. Finally, was honest with him here in Sicily. He said, but my suggestion is that you go to Brooklyn. They're looking for guys just like you in Brooklyn. And um, and in Brooklyn, you know, you you will be working for um, for the for this family. He didn't give him the name of the Bananos at that point, but he told him where to go to Nickavacker Avenue, which is in Greenpoint in Brooklyn, told him that what social club to go to and told him to use his name, mm-hmm. tell him that Rapisardi sent you, et cetera. And, and you're going to be great. You're going to be a made guy because that's the center of the mafia. They'll, they'll, you do good work and they'll, they'll make you a, make you a, um, a they'll make you a made man. Now, before he left Sicily though, he had to take care of one, piece of business. And the reason I mention this to you is that he, in the entire time that I spoke to him and in the entire time that I studied him and, and all of his murders, all of them, all of them, he said, except for two, were done because the person that he was killing was dishonorable. And his thing to me was, Mike, I, I am not the killer. You know, he had a thick, broken accent. I, I know do the killing. And he told us to Congress, too. I know do the killing. The guy that hired me, he's the killer. 
And the people that I killed, they des- essentially, he didn't say this, but this is what his point was. They deserve to be killed. All of those people that I mentioned with Rapisardi all stiffed them on money, you know, either lent them money or owed them money or this. And they, you know, and that's, that's why they were killed. And that's so and he, in his mind, it's, these are, they're, they're justified killings. So correct. He, he's correct. just kind of finishing something that the fate was already written. And the killer was Rapisardi, not him because Rapisardi paid him. Yeah. There's one instance in Sicily that Luigi was a very proud, proud guy. He really was. And, and I, got to, I got to realize that very quickly. He, I told you he worked for the railroad in Sicily. That was, his, that was his day job, so to speak. And there was a guy who he worked with who disrespected him in some way. And I, again, I... I, I don't remember precisely, but it was su- it, Luigi took it as such a um, such a, an act and of disrespect that he decided that this guy was going to pay with his life, and he wound up killing him. He wound up killing him because he disrespected um, Luigi, and um, and that was a that was a no no. And Luigi's point to me was I respect every I respect you I respect everyone I want people to respect me as well now of course he had this crazy idea as to what what how he earned respect I mean he earned he felt he earned respect because a guy tells him to go out and and kill someone who owes him money he does it and he says job well done you did it so you know that's in his mind the you know the the respect and and that was what kind of always stuck with me. I mean, after I, I, this guy had been out of my life, I always wanted to do this book because I always thought that there was such a, such a contrast between what our concept of honor and respect uh, is and what the concept of honor and respect is in, you know, in the mafia, aside from the crazy stories that this guy got, crazy idea, things that this guy got involved in. So he, now has to speak to his, his wife. He's, he lives in Sicily. He's got two young, two daughters. And Rapisardi tells him, essentially, listen, man, you're not going to be made here. Um, and I said to you before, I believe that the reason, one of the reasons, and I think the main reason, is the way he looked. But it I wasn't know that's like, strange to sound. It wasn't strange. like lineage or, or bloodline or anything? No, I think it was the way he looked. When he walked into my office, the first time I ever saw him, of course, he was in handcuffs. So I knew that he was the bad guy. But if he didn't, if he had walked in, I would have said, essentially, are you here to fix the pipes or the garbage pail is over there for you to empty? Gotcha. He looked, he was about five foot six. He, he was round like a bowling ball. And that's the first thing that stuck in my mind. I said, this guy is, how could this guy be a, a, a hitman? Assassin, yeah. You know? Well, maybe it, that's why you don't suspect it. You see him exactly. coming up to you on the street. You're like, exactly, exactly. But he was, but he, the, he, he, you know, there are parts, I'm sure there are things that he left out in terms of him telling me his story. Maybe there were other things that he, that he had done or said to the higher ups in the Bonanno family who never, never made him, but he did the jobs. He did yeah. the jobs. And, um, and, and he, um, you know, so <laughs> when Rapisardi told him to come to the United States, Luigi took it as not, you know, I'm kicking you out because, you know, of uh, we're never going to be made or I don't like you or whatever, because he was successful. He took it as sort of Rapisardi now promoting him. I'm sending you to America. Go to America. They want you in America, and uh, and you'll do well there. Now, let me just tell you what that was all about. The Bonanno family was huge into the distribution of heroin in the United States. All of the crap that you have heard, all of the stuff in The Godfather about the mafia doesn't sell drugs, let me tell you that it is total fiction and total bullshit. That is, that is, that just doesn't exist. Here's the thing. You want to do it? 
go ahead and do it, but don't get caught so that we can continue to have this, you know, this idea that, you know, cause they could, they, they were paying off judges and paying off cops and paying off, you know, people. So they felt that if they were into drugs, those individuals would no longer protect them. That was what the, the theory was, but they were selling drugs and the unwritten rule was no drugs. The mafia does not do drugs. Meanwhile, the, I'm sorry, not the unwritten rule. The written rule was no drugs. The unwritten rule was don't get caught. So the Bananos, um, Joe Banano, and a guy by the name of Carmine Galante. I don't know if, if that rings a bell with you, but I'll explain no, to you about him. Name. Carmine Galante recognized that they that there was a uh, sort of like a, a treasure trove of drugs translating into money, if they could establish a connection between Sicily and what would happen is the drugs would come in unprocessed from Turkey and from the, from the Middle East into Sicily. In Sicily, they would process it and then ship it across the United States, across to the United States, first through Canada. And um, you may have heard of, of a movie and a book called The French Connection. Mm-hmm. Okay, that heroin, actually, I'm sorry, I said Sicily. The, 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 the heroin was going to Marseille, France. That's where it was, it was being processed. And then it was being smuggled into the United States through Canada and down into the, into the U.S. And, you know, I don't know if you've seen the movie, The French Connection, but um, it was a, it's a major, major motion picture. And, it, and you'd love it, I think, Tommy. It's a really a good picture. And, um, and they, they, the, the, the mafia had a role in this. But times they felt that, that it was going, it was getting to the point where the cops were, you know, they were, they were going to find out about this and, and maybe even stop it. So Galante and Bonanno went over to Sicily and, um, and had this big high-level meeting with the Sicilian mafia bosses. These two guys, they may have had another American. I don't think they did. It's just the two of them. And they set up this, this whole kind of network where the Sicilians would ship the stuff over or be protection for the stuff being shipped over would get to Brooklyn and Galante and Banano would be the distributors in Brooklyn. And that would raise their, their income mm-hmm. a great deal. Now here was where the rub was. And this is where Luigi comes in. The stuff I told you before about the other families not doing drugs. They, the Bananos were worried that if the other families found out that they had this connection and that they were making so much money doing drugs that they would have a war on their hands that not to stop them from doing it, but to get a share of this, of get this, their pie. fingers in the pie, Tommy, they were making the Bonanno family with Galante was making millions, millions of dollars every week, millions. And what year is this? This is in, um, this is started in like the sixties, seventies. Okay. So a fuck ton now. Um, so the so what they needed is in order to fend off the other families in New York, in order to protect themselves from from a war, they needed soldiers. So they recruited while they were over in Sicily, they recruited these Sicilian guys who were already, you know, tough guys were already part of Sicilian mafia were already, you know, into the life recruited them to come to the United States. How'd they do it? Well, they had several methods. They had, they had passports that were forged. They would come in through, the, through Canada. Um, they would get smuggled in. Some of them were even, come, were even came in legitimately, you know? And, um, and, and Luigi came in legitimately, came in through the regular immigration process um, at that point. It was not like, you know, he had to go to to Mexico and, and smuggle his way through or sneak his way through the, through the Southern border. No, he came in through into New York with his family. Um, but he was part of what the American mafia called the zips who came from Sicily. And if the subtitle of this book is, it's called homicide is my business. The subtitle is Luigi, the zip, a hitman's quest for honor. 
Now, what was a zip? A zip was a Sicilian who was brought over to do this job, to become, to, to be the, the muscle for the Bonanno family. Now, is there's it, a is whole... It, is it derogatory? Many, yes, it was derogatory, and the Sicilian guys didn't like it. And there's a, there's a, a, a lot of disagreement uh, or a lot of reasons that are given for the, 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 the derivation of zip. Why did they call these guys zips? One of them was that they used zip guns, okay. homemade guns. Yeah. The other was that they spoke Sicilian and Italian very fast, that it was, you know, that it was, you couldn't, you couldn't hear what yeah. they were saying. Those are just two of the, 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 the uh, you know, the, the things I've heard about why they were called zips, but it was clearly a derogatory term. And, and Luigi didn't like it after he got to learn what, you know, that it was not something flattering. He didn't like the idea that people called him that, but that's what he, that's what they were. So the zips were the muscle for the Bonanno family to protect them in the event, the Gambinos, the Lucchese's, the Colombos, the, the um, uh, uh, Genovese family started a war over the jealousy, which they expected to be in, uh, to be created because the Bananos were making, as I said before, millions and not sharing it. Huh? They did later on. There was some there was some cooperation with Luigi when he was working for the for them and gotten into the drug business. Now, he wasn't in the drug business when he first came. That was. That was um, other guys. He was used as as muscle for the most part for other other things. Um, but later he got involved with um, with the Gambino family, and they were doing they were doing drugs. and And that's you know one of the other stories that I can tell you down the road. So he comes to um, he comes with his wife, and um, and his uh, and his two girls, lands at JFK Kennedy Airport in, in New York. And he has a friend who's here already who had found them an apartment uh, in Greenpoint, not that far from uh, I'm sorry, Greenpoint or Williamsburg. I don't remember, but in that area of Brooklyn. And um, and that's where he set up his home and, and um, his daughters ultimately were, were were able to go to school. I don't know. His wife didn't work. And he did, you know, when he first came over. There was it was not as he was led to believe that the streets of Brooklyn and New York and, and, and the USA were lined with gold. You know, I mean, that's not it's not the way it was. Um, he had a tough time. He was he came. He was a janitor for a while. He did menial work. But he found out about the social club. Um, on Knickerbocker Avenue, which is in the heart of Greenpoint, which is the heart of the Bonanno family, um, where he found out about this social club. And, and he decided that one day he was going to um, he was going to go there and do what Rapisardi told him to do was to introduce himself. Um, now, he found out that um, that there was he found out who the who the, the guy that he needed to speak to. And um, and he went into the club and he and he told me he looked around, you know, and he saw a guy. Had the Italian newspaper in front of him, he was drinking an espresso dressed to the nines, Tommy. suit, tie. And of course, he always commented on the shoes. The shoes were were very important. And he said, that's the person I need to speak to. And he went up to him, went to talk to him and um, introduced himself, told him that Signor Rapisardi from Catania told me to say, introduce myself, that he was sent me over here. And the guy looked at him like he was a fly. I mean, like he was, you know, looked right through him. I threw him. Get the get the fuck out of here. here. Who are you? Get out of here. Yeah. Didn't stop him, though. Didn't stop him. He kept going until one day he um, he saw that the guy was, I forgot what he was drinking. So he went to the bar and he, he ordered some drinks and sat down with him. And, and the guy looked at him again. It was essentially you again, you know, and then Luigi got to talking to him. They told him 
you know, about himself. And, and the guy said, essentially, I mean, I'm skipping a lot of the details, but the guy essentially said, you know what, I'll give you a shot. They needed someone to collect, you know, collecting debts, collecting loan shark money, collecting this. And, um, and, uh, and he, he did some work for this guy who was really kind of like the second in command. The guy who ran, um, who ran Knickerbocker Avenue was a guy named Lakata. Um, and, um, and he did, Luigi did well for, um, for the, the, the number two guy. So ultimately he gets, he catches the attention of this guy, Lakata and, and Lakata says essentially to him, I hear you doing good work. I want you to work specifically for me. You drive me around and then you collect, you know, there's another guy that's going to be with you. He'll show you where to collect all of this stuff. And he did that. He did it. He did that for a while, but you know, Tom, he said, it's not what I wanted to do. I'm not making any money. He said, I could do a lot more. And, and here's where essentially where everything starts. He's in, he's in the, um, Lakata ran um, several illegal casinos out of social clubs in, um, in, on Knickerbocker Avenue in Brooklyn. And, um, and he, Luigi was in the club one day. Um, and he said to him, he heard that one of the dealers didn't show up for, uh, for, for work. I don't remember what the reason was. So he went to his guy, uh, and I keep forgetting the guy's name, but in any event, he went to his guy who he had started with, who was really now one of his, um, you know, one of his big supporters. And he said, you know, I can do this. I can do it. And Luigi was a gambler. He knew how to, he knew gambling. In fact, that was one of his problems. Why he never had any money because he was mm-hmm. always, he was a lousy gambler, but he, he, he played, he was in these casinos and, and played and whatever money he was making, he was, you know, he was losing. So he went to Lakata with this guy and, and he basically said, I can do this. So Lakata knew that he was a, a, a worth, a, 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 you know, an important, not an important, but a, um, a, a guy that he could depend on. So he said, I'm going to give you a shot. I'm going to give you a shot. I'll tell you why. <laughs> he said, because somehow we're losing money. We're losing money. And I think that there are guys who are either stealing Collectors. yeah, or whatever, losing money at the casinos. So he, um, he said, you know how to deal, etc. He says, go, "I'm going to put you." Go figure it out. Yeah, okay. and he did. He did. He found the guys. He essentially called them over and said, "I know what you're doing." He said, "You're going to pay it all back, or I'm going to essentially, you know, you're going to pay the price." So this now set him up with Lakata. He solved the guy's problem. Yeah. So another day they're in. So he became now a regular dealer. He was dealing. Now he was making money because he was getting tips. He was making money. You know, the dealer was making more money than some guys, you know, uh, uh, sweeping floors. And he's at a table dealing, uh, dealing blackjack. And there are four made guys playing one boss, a capo and three other guys. And they're playing and they're all talking. And Luigi's listening. And what they were talking about is that one of their friends, one of their colleagues, um, was raping and putting out for pro- and prostituting the widow of one of their friends. Oh. And the widow, the widow and her mom went to the local Don or the Scapo and said, told them what was happening. Now, the problem is that the guy was a made guy. The guy that, that was doing this. Him? Okay. Yeah, the guy that the pimp. But the Don or the capo knew that this is, you can't do this. Mm-hmm. No, you can't do this. This makes us all look bad. Plus this young woman is, you know, she's a widow, et cetera, right? 
So they're all talking. How are we going to do this? How are we going to take care of this? Who's going to who's going to take care of them? Who's going to do this? And none of them wanted it because they all knew the guy. Luigi says, I'll do it. He says, I'll do it. They said, who are you? You know, you're dealing cards. So he tells him, you go talk to Senor Lakata and I forgot the other guy's name. And, um, and they'll tell you about me. So the Don, uh, the capo who was at the table, excused himself, went down and spoke to, spoke to these, these guys. And they all gave him, all gave Luigi a plus marks. Yeah. He said, okay, you got the job. Now, he knew that he couldn't screw up. He yeah. had to do this the right way because this was his, this was his, now his, his like kind his of tryout. And yeah, tryout and, and ultimately his introduction into the world of the, the uh, American mafia. He's right? being pulled off, pulling off the bench for the first, like in the real way. Exactly. Like Tom Brady going in and like exactly. first Super Bowl. 100%. All right. So he finds out where the guy lives. Now, this was not, is the guy doing this? They all knew the guy they was doing it because the woman had already come to them and said, listen, this is what he's doing to me. So it was not like a trial. <laughs> Luigi wasn't told to go find out if the woman was telling the truth. They, his job was the executioner. You know, the jury had already spoken. The judge passed judgment and the executioner was now unleashed on Oh, so they still weren't going to go try to talk the guy out of doing it? No, 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 no. It was it was, it was too just, late by then. It was just done. Too okay. late. Yeah. Right. The discussion at the at the blackjack table was little, okay. who I got and you. how are they going to do it? I got you. So Luigi um, finds out the guy's name and he and he starts just what I told you he did in Sicily. He finds out where the guy lives, finds out what kind of car he's driving, finds out what time he leaves for work find out where he goes during the day, finds out where he goes after work, and he sits or stands or whatever, I don't remember, across from this guy's house and confirms everything that he was told. He watched the guy when he came out, knew what kind of car he drove, followed him to where he worked, knew the route that he took, also knew that in the morning, sometimes when he first came out, he didn't get into the car right away. He would go get himself a cup of coffee. And he had everything down. Everything was, was now ready to go. So on the day he decides to do the murder, he's now down the block from where the guy lives, kind of hiding in, 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 uh, in an alley. And the guy comes out just like every other morning. And in and this day, he walked a few, a few feet down the block to his car. And as he's opening up his car door, Luigi comes behind him and puts, a, puts a, two bullets right into his head, kills him on the street in the middle of Knickerbocker, not Knickerbocker Avenue, close to, in the middle of Brooklyn, one morning just puts two shots into his head. Silencer or just... You know, that's a good question. I don't remember. I that, that's a whole different ball game if you're just going unsilenced in downtown. I don't remember if he used the silencer. I don't remember. There's another story I'll tell you when if you have me back, which I hope yeah, you will. Of course I do. Um, about sure. about what this are. guy has done. So here's the rest of the uh, rest of it. So now the guy's dead. Now he makes his way out of he, he leaves very calmly. Doesn't um he doesn't get rid of the gun either. That's one of the other things. Not right there. He, um, oh, I forgot to tell you. This is important. He knew that now that he had all of this down, he had to figure out what he was going to use to kill him. Of course, he didn't have a gun. So what he did was he found out, he found that there was a, um, there was a guy in another part of the neighborhood that was, that was selling guns. And sold guns uh, and you could buy a gun in brooklyn if, if you went there right now to some streets in brooklyn you could you could buy any gun you want i'm sure that was the way it was back then he goes and he gets a it was a revolver so i don't think it was a um, i don't there was Not no silence. silence it was a revolver it was completely 
completely untraceable, according to this guy. Um, Luigi, it was cheap, and Luigi bought it. Now, in order to make sure, he's, he, this guy covered every single base that he had. He told me that before I used it, I didn't want it to jam on me, so I had to, I had to see if it was. I cleaned right, it. Yeah. He said I took it to a – he told me where it was, and, and I'll give it a description for your audience. It was a remote section of southern Brooklyn that borders on Jamaica Bay, and there's a, there's a highway that goes through from east to west, the west to east, called the Belt Parkway, and it goes all the way through um, southern Brooklyn, and on either side of the highway are kind of these marshlands. And um, if you remember from Crooked Brooklyn, the guy that was killed with the skull, that's mm -hmm. where that guy was killed. So it was a popular place for killing. But Luigi okay. wasn't going there to kill. I've been he, through those marshlands a million times. What's that? I've been through those like marshlands a million times right. just over the years, going to see my grandparents and driving back down to like Georgia or up to New Hampshire. They smell exactly. like fucking shit. Yeah, they are because there's, it, it's, 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 it's one of the worst it's, smells. I still no, I can smell yeah. it. Yeah. Sorry, go on. So, so he went to the marshland to test the gun, shot it, make sure loaded it, shot it again, make sure it worked. And nobody was going to see him there because as you know, now you've been over there, it's deserted. There's yeah. no one there except guys looking to dump bodies. You yeah. Know? yeah. So he, he tested the gun. It worked well. So that's the gun that he used. And to answer your question, there was no silencer because it was a it was a revolver. And what he did was, and he didn't feel like it was there was any reason to use a revolver because a in his mind he was also sending a message. So if somebody saw it or heard it, no one in that neighborhood was going to give him up. Yeah. And and he had the sanction of the Bonanno family, so no one, so he wasn't worried about that. And there were no, he didn't think that there were any cops patrolling that time in the morning. If there were, he would have abandoned it. He would have waited for another time to do it. So I said to him, so what'd you do next? He says, I got into my car and this is what he did now. Every time he committed a murder in, in Brooklyn, got into his car. He said, I drove to a, to a remote area where I knew there were um, dumpsters. He took the gun, took it apart as much as he could, dumped it into the dumpster got back in his car and went down the Jersey Turnpike to Atlantic City. And he said, my point, my, 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 uh, uh, my whole thrust of this was to let the heat um, die down in Brooklyn. I stayed down in Atlantic City. And remember, he was a gambler. And this mm -hmm. was right at the beginning of the, the Atlantic City becoming a, a casino town. He said, I went down there. I spent, it was actually just before it became a, but he knew about Atlantic City. Someone told him, and he drove all the way down to Jersey Shore. It's probably about a hundred miles or more from New York City. So he figured I'm going to, I'll stay in a hotel down there two, three days. I'll, you know, I'll go to the beach, do whatever I, I do. And then I'll come make my way back to Brooklyn. And that's exactly what he did. When he gets back to Brooklyn, now keep in mind, this was a sanctioned hit, right? I don't know if he expected the reception that he got. He, could, he couldn't believe it in, when he told me. He said, everybody was happy. Everybody would come up to me and say, you, you know, uh, Luigi, you, you did the right thing. You're a hero. Yeah, 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 yeah. Why? Because the they cheeks. all hated this guy. He was a made guy who was taking advantage of this young widow yeah. by pimping her out by raping her and now luigi took care of took care of the problem the guys in the in the in the bonato family were happier as happy could be but but and luigi said i, I this is it you know i've written yeah, my I'm ticket in. just a I'm matter in. of time yeah i'm one of the boys years later he's still killing people and still not not made but that was the first one that was the first one that was that was his, um, you know, his introduction, his indoctrination, not into the mafia, but into being a, a trusted uh, a, a soldier and not even a, a real soldier. He was an associate, a, a trusted associate. And, um, and he became the go-to guy. Word, word got out very quickly that this was a guy who 
you know, could be trusted. And as I said to you before, he did 13 murders in Brooklyn and um, all because of this particular uh, situation. And he was smart enough in his mind to recognize that I've got to grab the bull by the horns here. This is an opportunity. I can show them what I can do. Now, keep in mind, he was a seasoned uh, uh, hitman by that point. He had done murders for this guy Rapisardi in, in Sicily. Mm, Sicily. Yeah, he did. He did. He did murders. Murder in Milan. He did murder in Rome. He said the one in Rome was really uh, difficult because he <laughs> he had to do it. He wound up killing the guy near the Trevi Fountain. You know? Are you familiar with? Um, with Rome. Well, that's one of the major tourist areas of, of Rome. And the guy that he killed, uh, he, he found them. And, and that was the spot where he, um, he had the opportunity to do it. And he killed them. Now, I don't think there were people around at that point. It was early morning, but, but that was one of the things. So he was, he was a guy who, who had been, you know, who had been trusted. He did some, he did others in Sicily. Um, so, uh, so he was, he felt that he had made his bones. And um, and was expecting to be to be inducted. And um, and he said, I said, so how'd you feel? He said the guy deserved it. And everybody who he spoke to told him that the guy deserved it. So, I mean, he felt that it was the honorable thing to do. And um, and he said, you know, he gave me this thing about uh, and Mike, uh, I, I know I know kill him. He said, the people that hire me, they're the killers. They're the ones who killed them. I, 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 I'm just the, you know, the, the vehicle to get the guy taken care of. I'm not the, uh, I'm not the killer. Yeah, I mean, and that I, was his way of thinking, Tom, you know, I don't know if I, I don't know if I even really disagree with not on the others, <laughs> but I mean, a made man pimping out some guy's widow. I mean, that kind of seems like yep. 2020 or like 1820 wild West. I feel like that's something where even if you're not directly doing the killing, you're not asking too many questions. You're just like, ah, oh, so sad, too bad. Young widow, young widow. He started. Yeah, that's to... a. That's a. Yeah. I feel like that's like a. I mean, now obviously legally, no, you can't do that. You'd have to take them to court. Blah blah. blah. I get. It. But I mean, even now listening to this story, like, I'm like, all right, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not for the murder of it, but at the same time, I'm not gonna shed a tear. I mean, you're 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 pimping out a young wi- widow. Fuck off. Well, here's what you're going to get what's coming to you. Exactly. And here's what was, here's one of the kind of interesting um, uh, byproducts of this that even he didn't, didn't see coming. And, and I'll, I know we're getting close to the no, end. No, 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 you're, you're good. I'll, I'll, I'll leave you with this and, and, and we can pick it up next time. Um, because he was so successful, this being now, so now they gave him even bigger jobs and, um, and one of the things that he, he had to do was there was, again, this paying of money and stiffing the, the, the bosses was something that they couldn't countenance because, you know, they, they made them look bad. So, um, so one, of the, one of the people that, that owed, forgot which one of the bosses' money, was a guy that owned a drugstore in Brooklyn somewhere. And he was making money himself. And, um, and, and they... The two, he and a guy that he was working with was sent to Brooklyn to, um, to collect from this guy. And if he didn't collect, he was just supposed to essentially rob the place and get the money by robbing the place, right? So he tells me the story that the guy who he's with, his, his let's say, call him his, his, his partner for this deal, drive to, drive to, Brook, drive to the drugstore. The guy waits, is the guy in the car is waiting outside. Luigi goes in. <laughs> I'm laughing because I remember his reaction when he told me this and his outrage. He said, I go in and I speak to him and tell him I'm here, Senor Salacata. Uh, 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 they want the, wants the money. He says, Mike, I, nobody tell me. He said, the guy pulls a gun on me. He pulls a gun. And he starts to shoot at me as I'm running out of the store. He's shooting at me. And luckily, he said to me, he said, I'll never forget this. He said, luckily, he a bad shot. Otherwise, <laughs> I'm, I'm dead. I'm dead. He said, so I'm running outside to the car so we can get out of there. I go out and the guy in, his, in the car phew, had taken off. 
He left them there. Not because he heard the shots. Yes, it was set a up. setup. The guy in the car was jealous that Luigi had become this trusted guy. He's and he had a hot guy in town. Yep. So he, I said, so what'd you do? He said, I make my way back to Knickerbocker Avenue. Go fucking kill him. I go into the, the into the, the, into the social club. I see Senor, whatever the guy's name was. I say, I want to kill him. I want to kill him. So you know what he did? What he did tells him the whole story. They tell him, you come back tonight and we'll straighten this whole thing out. And they came back. He came back that night. Lakata had him in the social club. They brought this other guy in. They sit down and they make, as he says, so we make it a piece. He said he becomes... I, I hate the guy, but I, I have to work with him. I can't. They don't give me permission to kill him. So I want to kill him, but they don't give me permission to kill Fuck him. That. He wanted to kill me, he said. He's they, he wanted to kill me. He knew the guy had a gun. Those he, And I'll use the, the, the way he said, the motherfuckers had to, didn't tell me that he had a gun. So he said, but what could I do? He said, they would kill me if I, if I, if I did this without permission. Fuck that. So what happens is these two guys become... Now, I don't want to say friends, but they Jesus become Christ. this kind of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance kid. They How do you so... ever work with someone like that again, though? Yeah. I'd always be looking over my shoulder. They got so close. One of the things they used to do is they were, tra- they were the transporters of the, uh, the, the counterfeit uh, um, passports that they drove from Brooklyn up to the Canadian Canada border to, to get and that. smuggle them into the guys that were coming in through Canada from Sicily, who were going to be, you know, the, the soldiers for the Bonanno family. That's, that was one of the, one of the jobs they did. And they became, they became kind of very close. Um, and, uh, but then Luigi took off. I mean, his, his star really, really took off because he was, you know, he was very dependable and, and he knew what he was doing. So, so that's, 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 I- the, the How do you taste. still work with that guy, though? No, you got to kill that guy. You got to yeah, kill but, him, even if it's not sanctioned. But you know what, Tom? He, he that, that makes you look like a pussy. Oh, okay, I'll work with him. Here's the thing. I mentioned this at the very beginning. He felt that he was an honorable guy. And while this guy dishonored him, once the bosses told him, you can't touch him, he wasn't going to go against the bosses sure. and a mistake he made was going back to them and telling him that he was going to do this. If he had found this guy and then he was just he's dead and they, they found him, he would have said, I don't know. He, he, he left me at the drugstore and then I don't know what happened to him. Maybe the cops got him or something, you know, but that's not what he did. He played by the rules. He went to them and told them what happened and he expected them to take care of the problem. Instead, what they did was they, they solved it some way. And uh, and then they made them partners and they said, now you go out and work together. And uh, but they became they became so his very, partner uh, that left him that his leaving them, his leaving him at the at the store or whatever and driving away. That guy driving, that wasn't a sanctioned hit from the bosses. They weren't taking out Luigi, right? No, it was this guy on his own. Working OK, on I, was, I was just I was just trying to make I was just trying to make sure yeah, he was jealous. Let, okay. let me just let me I got. OK, one, yeah, yeah. One more of the jobs yeah, together, yeah, and, and I'll tell you. You could, and then I have to go. But so yeah, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you. Good. So they, as I said, they became they became partners, and they started working these jobs. So this guy says to him, um, "I want you to. We're going upstate New York to this little town to uh, a guy that owns a pizzeria up there, and he's you know he owes Lakata money. Same same deal." He said, "But we're going to go in the middle of the night." And uh, Luigi didn't know what that was all about. But apparently what he found out later on is that the guy was pr- approached several times to pay him, pay Lakata back, but he never did. So I had to teach him a lesson. So this was the lesson. They broke into the pizzeria. They detached the gas lines in the place and left them unattached. And then they said, he, the, this other guy said to him, um, let's go get back in the car. And I said, he said, well, we didn't do nothing. He says, don't worry. Gets back into the car. They drive down the block away from the pizzeria. And uh, he says, I see the guy. He, uh, he takes out a phone and he starts calling on the phone. 
No, I'm sorry. He went to the phone because this was there were no cell phones at that point. He went to a phone and I said, well, you know, what are you doing? He said, just wait. He said after the phone call, he runs back into the car. He says, listen. Boom, there was an explosion in the in the store, blew the whole store up. The phone call. Because of the gas lines, the oh. phone rang. There was a spark. There was a discharge. And oh, set shit. the entire place on fire. Jesus Christ. And blew the whole place up. He said, I never see anything like it this before, Mike. He said, I never see anything like it. He said, but, but it worked. That's hard. You know, so, so that was another, another, another of the jobs that they, uh, they, pulled, they pulled together. So um, That's hardcore. Tommy, there's, I got I get a, a million of these stories, and uh, and I haven't even told you the best, the the most interesting hit. I'll save that for the um, for the next time because I right. think, uh, let me, uh, it's one, it's let me, one uh, that um, one that deserves to be uh, to be told. So all right, hold on. Let me everybody listening. I'll put all the links in the description. Go grab his stuff. Let me. Uh...